listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me once again, it's Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing okay. It's It's been a long couple of weeks. We're kind of in the heat of the summer here. Um, you know, Barbenheimer has swept the nation. <laughs> um, and here we are back with you again to talk about some flyers, talk about some news around the NHL. Um, before we dive into today's show, uh, follow us on the social media, uh, wherever that is, you know, the platform formerly known as Twitter, whatever you want to call it, uh, at YWT Podcast, pretty much everywhere. Kevin's at Kevin underscore Durso, pretty much everywhere. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, hit the like button over there. Okay. And on all of your favorite platforms, otherwise, for, yeah. for listening, for podcast listening anyway. So yes. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all, you name it. Yeah. They're all scrolling across the bottom. Have, you, have fun reading that. You know where to find your podcast <laughs> by now. Yes, you do. All right. Um, we don't have a whole lot of Flyers news to get into. You know, we are kind of in the depths of the summer here. We're definitely, um, we're light as on. If the, as if the mention of Barbenheimer at the start of this thing wasn't a hint to where we are. That's what I'm that, saying. That, that more people can be talking about that than than the amount of news that's out on the Flyers right now. We're in full-blown summer show territory for sure. So. Oh, yeah. That being said, our first topic, uh, Morgan Frost. Mm -hmm. uh, when we last spoke two weeks ago, he had not signed his contract. Uh, Danny Breer had essentially finished all his other business for the summer. Uh, all, you know, everyone got re-signed. We got everybody taken care of. We knew what was going on. The roster's looking pretty set. As we sit here two weeks later, Morgan Frost. Kevin, what's the update? There's not much, to be honest. I mean, he doesn't – obviously, he has no contract yet. So yep. that's the first part of this. Um, I think I think for a lot of people, that there's kind of an antsy quality to this because everything else is done, you know, especially when they went on a run of – because our last show was kind of heavily dominated with the bridge deal. We talked about bridge deals a lot, right? Like, yep. And we talked about Noah Cates and Cam York, and it was like, okay, cross those two off. And, and in due time, so can – you know, so too came, you know, Ronnie Adder had already signed earlier in the offseason. Ola Lixel had his contract and you're sitting here now going, okay, Frost is the only one left. And really the last order of business from an entire contractual standpoint. I mean, they really don't have to do a thing after Morgan Frost, if you really think about it. Right. And there's just it now. And, and of course, like the other thing about it is I think there's a lot of stuff going on around the league, maybe not in terms of tons of signings or things like that but arbitration's heating up like at this point now you're like you're starting to see on occasion oh here's where the team is and here's where the player's at and we're going to get the arbitration hearing coming soon and Noah Cates was the only flyer who had even elected for it as arbitration eligible and obviously they settled that way before we would have gotten to hearing dates so that was taken care of so I think that there's just an anticipation of kind of being done with everything you know let's just move on from all of this and then you're basically awaiting the training camp portion of the ne of next season you're kind of already like at that point you turn the page on the off season and you start to look ahead to to next season with maybe a few tiny little things here and there like time scattered getting, in but time to start getting back in shape <laughs> well and, and for the most part everybody yeah. is like like they, they just had the flyers just had like their whole um community fan fest kind of thing going on they do over the summer the yeah. it was a community caravan i think is what it's called and they did one one of the dates is just held at the training center in Voorhees. and among like 
Tyson Forrester's been making appearances. Cam York is making appearances. Um, there's one more who's making. Joel Farabee's been making appearances. That tells you they're already here. They're in town. Yeah. They're working out. Like, and I'm and, and, and I'm sure they're not alone. Like, and all and all those are guys who are kind of at the point where they should be. You know, these these aren't guys who, for the mm-hmm. most part, need to be rec- recuperating and recovering from various surgeries over the summer. These are young players sure. who are developing and working on skills and improving their game and. This is what we like to see out of them. Mm-hmm. So I don't think, you know, like there's not much of an update on Morgan Frost in terms of where everything is at. There's kind of there's kind of rumblings out there that there's kind of at a standstill, that there's not really much progress being made between the two sides. Look, it's going to happen at some point. He, he's a restricted free agent. I don't think that you're going to run into any serious problems here. Nobody's, I, think, I don't think anybody's going to offer sheet Morgan Frost, for example. You know, I think I think you're already out of that period anyway, because, you know, you would have I think you would have pushed on that even earlier if that was the case. But um, no, because what I think the other thing about this is, is what it what it has prompted is a lot of discussion about what the contract should be. And I, I, I think, that, look, I think there's a really easy answer because you've already Danny Briere has been nothing if not consistent with his contracts all offseason. And what do I mean by that? Nothing but one and two year deals. Yep. And I don't think Morgan Frost is necessarily a one year deal kind of guy to just bridge him to something like immediately, not to next offseason. And we're going to do this all over again. I don't think it's that. I definitely don't think he's in the long term window because what does he have other than a really, really solid second half when some of the pressure was off? Like he got more playing time, he took advantage of it. He had some really solid numbers by the end of the year. He was actually, I, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly here, based on everything I've seen, he was actually the team's highest scorer point-wise in the last 35-ish games or so. When Kevin Hayes stopped showing up. Uh, well, well, yes, and without Travis Konechny out there every night because right. Konechny missed some time in there and things like that. And that's beside the point, to be honest. Like, it's not about that. Like, but It's I, actually kind of the one part that is impressive with him in that spot is – he was actually producing more points in the same amount of games than Owen Tippett was. And Owen Tippett got a ton of attention for it. Oh, way yeah. more attention. But now, yeah. I can tell you the reason. The reason is because it was way more goals for Owen Tippett than it was sure. for Morgan Frost. But Frost had, like, his moments. Like, like I don't know. Uh, one of the clips I've seen going around a lot on socials is um, he had he scored a game winner against Montreal. I think it was in either – it was might have been February or March-ish. It was somewhere around, like, the post-deadline Roughly, it was around right. the deadline, close to, and that was kind of, you know, that's kind of those that territory where you're like, okay, that was, yeah, that was when he started having. Because remember, all of his points in the beginning of the year, like he had a bunch of, like he had a really great debut, like the season yep. opener, he had two goals, or did he get two goals in that game? I think he did, because I, th- I think he had he had an empty netter that people weren't sure if it was Lazinski's or his, and I think it oh. went to him. Right. So he had two goals in the opener, and then kind of like went back to the usual here's a point here and there kind of thing and then and then when he was playing the Arizona Coyotes you know just went off for four points per game it turns you out know. they're a high school team well um. yeah, I mean when you play in the college arena that seats 5,000 right you know but either way but yeah but that I was get- not that was the range of his production in the first half then the second half you finally got some consistency but it was Way after the main point, you know. Yeah, and if if the Morgan Frost that shows up for the last thirty games of the season shows up for this current upcoming season, I think we have a really solid little you know sixty five seventy seventy point player. You know, really the type of player. Okay, 
Morgan Frost is in a, an interesting position. I think his next deal will probably be a two-year bridge. That's what we've seen out of all the other RFAs this offseason. If he continues where he's going, right? Uh, last season, I just had this up. Um, last season, 46 points total mm-hmm. over the 81 games he played. Mm-hmm. If, he get, if he gets that number up to 60, 65... Somewhere in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And he does that over the next two seasons. How much are you getting paid on the back end of that when it's time to sign the big boy contract? You're talking six, seven, eight million, especially with the salary cap going where it's going. Right. I, and I know, like, I know that the one th- he's an interesting topic, Morgan Frost is, because what everybody remembers is not it's not even about the first round pick status because he's a late first rounder. Sometimes a late first rounder is a fourth liner. Like, yeah. I don't think enough people realize that, that, you it know, just like, happens. well, like, I'm sorry, you know what, like, people are infatuated, and I'm not taking anything away from him as what he brings to a team in a locker room, but people get infatuated with Scott Lawton, and Scott Lawton was taken higher than Morgan Frost was, yep. you know, it doesn't always equate to you're just top points, top, you know, top line production, because you went in the first round, unless, you know, maybe if you were in this draft, you know, and <laughs> right. you're, and being picked 25th means you were really, like, near a top 10 quality player in most of every other draft. Well, okay. That makes some sense, but like, and Morgan Frost to me is kind of the guy that summarizes really. I'm trying to say this carefully because I don't want to knock Morgan Frost. I do think he's a good player. Mm -hmm. I think he summarizes everything that's wrong with what's happened over the last decade with this team. We have a guy who, we picked late in the first round because we couldn't properly, you know, get into a top 10 draft position for a decade. Um, well, not qu- not quite, because that was the same. That was the Nolan Patrick year. So they they had okay. elevated themselves into the top two and then they didn't have another pick there. So they actually traded in. Right. But I just, it feels like you're taking a stab in the mid to late first round, which the lineup has. It feels like the lineup has a dozen of those guys, and well, it does. That's that part's true, right? And, and so then we move on, and he's you know dealt with some injury, which is something mm-hmm. that we've seen before. And well, yeah, his, the, his, infamously the twenty-one shortened season where he was supposed to basically be able to play the whole year, and he got hurt, and he didn't play the first right two away. games, and well, he didn't play the first two games, then played the next two, and it was literally game two he got hurt, and it was yep. over, and. So we we talk about drafting late in the first round. That's I I know it. This wasn't a specific example of it because they traded in. But you're talking about the quality of player that we've ended up with several times. Over oh sure. The years. Then he comes you said in it right off. The, yeah, you then, said it then right he comes off. Then has some injury problems. Mm-hmm. Then his development suffers because he has some injury problems. Then you know we we hear about him not being in the right role because he's playing in the bottom six and blah 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 blah. Hopefully. As this mm-hmm. franchise starts to kind of steer in the correct direction, Morgan Frost can be a guy who turns that corner. And I, I know he started turning it kind of towards the back half of the season like we've been talking about. But if he continues to turn that corner and continue, and he's mm-hmm. still young enough that sure. an improvement to your development process can save him. Right. He's also old enough that that has to happen soon. Correct. Absolutely. Um, that being said, I, I think his ceiling has been lowered a little bit just with how the Flyers have treated him. Because I do remember he had a lot of skill coming out of the draft. 
Mm-hmm. Um, his, his ceiling has probably been lowered a little bit. But I think if he settles in as a nice little middle six player, he can be a very successful NHL talent. Well, one of the things that you want to consider, especially right now in the here and now, is if a player today can play in your top six today, because your team's not loaded with depth right now. Yes. We know this. So if a player can play in your top six today and reach a certain level of production that – you know, like it, like Owen Tippett did. Like Owen Tippett playing in your top six and getting to 25 goals now has you thinking, is there more? Because he's young enough for there to be a more, you know? Yes. And then as you, and if that happens over the next two years while you're waiting for Cutter Gauthier and Matt Mishkov and all of these guys that you're now starting to build a future for and that are supposedly going to just slide right into your top six right. and, cle- and start clearing guys out, well, all of a sudden, isn't isn't it better to sit there and say Owen oh, Tippett probably plays top line for the years that they're not here, and then when you move him, you go a twenty five to thirty goal scorer is now moving to your second line. Yep. Now it's you have more de- right. Now yep. you have more depth that has shown that they can do it. Absolutely. You know, the thing with Frost is, and you hit it right off the top because you said it. Your word was perfect for it. He's good. Yeah. He's been a good NHLer. It. He's not even close to great. He's nope. certainly not in the – he's not going to even probably reach elite status at any point. Like, elite is – Probably not. I mean, let's this way. I think you're at the point where good, very good, great, you know, outstanding elite maybe. Like, there, there's multiple tiers we are got to go through to get from good to well, right. that crazy level. And the, the, crazy, and the is, crazy thing about hockey is that at 24 years old, if you're not already there, it's unlikely that you're going to get it, there. It can be, absolutely. Yeah, unless your name is Sean Couturier. Like, you probably are pretty And you're a very big are. late bloomer, yeah. Right. I mean, but the thing with Frost is, is really this for me, because the year that he got drafted, I just want, I want to read you his numbers from juniors that year, and then probably what created this you know, kind of complex, well, like, well, not complex, created this kind of far-fetched potential that he was going to be able to achieve at the NHL just because he was, because he was at this point, like after you get drafted, now you're kind of an overager in the, you know, in the, you're Canadian expected to go junior down ranks. Yeah. right. You're kind of expected to turn, take a step. And then if you, and if you stay for any longer, you know, like it starts the, to get a little embarrassing, right, like, the, well, exactly. Eric, it, yep. it, it can at least create that situation. So the year that he got drafted, he played 67 games for the Sioux Greyhounds in the OHL, scored 20 goals, had 62 points. Now that's nice, and that's probably first round worthy. I can uh, understand that because had that's near had 112 points. No, 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 no. This is the year before he got drafted. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. this is leading. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the 16-17 season. So when he gets drafted, the best he's done in juniors is 62 points in 67 games, which right. is still first round worthy. Yeah. He's gotten close to point per game. Like that's that's what makes people sit there and say late first round. I'll think about it because you're near point per game. As, as as an as a seven probably more a 17 year old than an 18 year old. In fact, right. I think he was at that point. Then you go to the next year. Now it's draft plus one, and all of a sudden in draft plus one. As I'm sure some space cleared out, and he became a number one guy with the Greyhounds. Yep. The production he stepped goes, up. He doubles his goal, goal total to yep. 42 points, and he nearly doubles his point total to 112 Yeah, in the same number of games, 67. And oh, by the way, while we're at it, because I'm sure that I believe, I have to check, I'm not sure why it won't scroll over to show me the playoffs. 
but I'm pretty sure that he in the playoffs that year he had 29 points in 24 games. There you go. Uh, so also, continues. plus minus is a stat that isn't super important generally speaking. But that year, by the way, he was plus 70, <laughs> plus seven zero with the Greyhounds. That's insane. Hello. Yep. Also, um, good for Morgan. 56 pims. <laughs> I hear you. Um, and then he goes, but and this is this is the thing. Bullying those really, fifteen year now, olds. But this is the thing, because by this point, you know, what's the hold up here? You know what I mean? Like the guy just put up one hundred and twelve points. He just went back and dominated, right? Right. Okay. No, and you understand why he goes back for that year because he's coming off a of sixty-two and sixty-seven. You understand why he's got to go back to juniors for the following year after his draft. But now you're sitting here going, boy, one hundred and twelve points and forty-two goals in sixty-seven games. Now it feels like you're taking a step, like you're ready for something. And he goes back yeah. again for another yep. year. And he plays 58 games, 37 goals. So nine fewer games. So all right, five fewer goals in nine fewer games. That's not outrageous. He probably no. if he plays if he plays in nine games, he probably matches or passes it. Oh, easily. I can see that. And the, and the point total is even better because in nine fewer games, he's only three short of what he had. So he's going to pass that if he plays the nine games easily. He's going to probably get to close to 120 Absolutely. at that point. Maybe even 130 with the numbers. I mean, up. 125. Toward the, yeah. yeah. And this also, by the way, includes going to World Juniors, five games, eight points, four goals. Like, it's not like you just showed up and were participating. You were a right. key player in that He was a that big team. player on that Canada yeah. team. Yeah. So there you go. And that's when – so finally that's when it kind of all starts to shift, and that's when he gets – you know, that's when he signs and he comes over. Well, he's, you know, he didn't have to sign to go back to juniors. You get the point, though. Right. That's when he finally makes the jump to pro after that. Because now he's out. He basically played to the age limit. Technically, he did sign his contract that first year. It just happened to entry level slide. But oh, yeah. yeah. He, well, of course, that's, <laughs> right. that's the beauty of Canadian junior prospects. It's, it's, you know, it's wild how that whole thing works. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, as compared to like and it's, this is it's the argument, right? Like this is the argument you have between these guys and the college guys. Because when you as soon as you sign that with a college guy, you're burning the first year effective immediately. Yep. yep. So, you know, that's the difference. And, he, and then you, and you take the risk drafting the college guy because he might not, just walk on you. That's true, it's and crazy. it's happened multiple times. So, yeah. Adam Fox, sure. And then the like the good news, like the thing with Frost when he finally got to the pro level is he seemed like he was more than ready for it because in the first few, like once he got going at, at Lehigh Valley, you know, forty-one games, thirteen goals, twenty-nine points. You're like, okay, he's kind of starting to keep up with that pace again. He's figuring it out as a pro. He's pretty figuring easily. it out. Yep. Well, he he's figuring out enough to get some attention and. Yeah. You know, the point production wasn't great at the NHL level, and he had plenty of games where he was kind of overmatched, and you could see it. But sure. he still had two still had two goals and seven points in 20 games. I, I think he was kind of a bit of an instant success because he came in, he scored in his debut. He, yep. then, he, then he played that game in Carolina where I think he had three points. He had another goal. He had two assists. And it was yeah, like, he picked up most of his points in his first three or four games. Right, and, then, and, ev- and had everything going, which which is kind of, I mean, like it's not all that different from Tyson Forrester, to be honest. This past no, year. Forrester came in and had a, an even smaller sample size than this and right. was picking up points in a good pace. And then you're right. Like once the two things that really did him in were collectively over two different seasons because he wasn't, you know, he was playing with the Flyers, but they started to like he eventually went back to the Phantoms because they got healthier and they traded for players because at the deadline they were going to be buyers that right. year. They were a decent and, team. Right. And he goes back down and that was the end of that. You know, then yep. COVID hits. That's the end of that. Now, the next year, 
he's prepping to be part of the team that the NHL not, roster. Not in the bubble, but yes, on a roster it's going to play the seven same teams over and over again for, 50 for 56 games. games. Oh, and he gets on and he gets only two and you know, and there's not much of a minor league season. And well, you know what I was mean? That, like, that was when he got hurt, right? Yes, but that's what I'm saying. Like, that's, even if he was, even yeah. if he was preparing to come back, there's not much of a minor league season. So now you don't even have a place that you can try to say, "Well, once you're closer, we'll rehab you." Right? You know what I mean? Like, he that, it was just a complete lost year. And, everything was funky that year. And then the year after, because now you're starting to hit that point where, again, the amount of injuries that the team had over 21, 22, he was going to get playing time because he was kind of too good. Like, then he was showing he's too good to play in the minors. He's, you know, he's got six goals, 19 points in 24 games. So he was too good to play in the minors. But he obviously couldn't find consistency in points production at the NHL level. You play 55 games, you score five goals and 16 points. You're looking more like the guy who, after those first handful of games at the NHL level the year before the two years before that can't find it you know and that's why like the contract is such an interesting discussion because the numbers this year really it's an astronomical jump when you think about it because you went from the best year you had was 55 games five goals 16 points and now you played a full 81 like 81 out of 82 and you went from five to 19 and from 16 to 46. Like it's, it's not like you made some increase and had 30 extra games and we're sitting there going, ah, you know, whatever. No, you played, you actually basically based on that, you had a point per the game. You didn't, you know, point per game for the amount of games that you made up by playing near a full season. So if that's, if this contract is two years at three or three and a half, is anybody upset about that? Well, I think that money range is exactly what you're looking for. I think three is realistically, probably right on the money because it's just I can understand how for his professional experience let's call it compared to Noah Noah Cates let's say I can understand how Frost feels like he could earn more money because from an from a game play standpoint he's got way more games played than Noah Cates does right you know way more and yes you know the the, key difference between Frost and Cates also is now, Cates had one rookie year and seemed like he found something. Like the, we've talked, we talked about his point totals and where it could go in the next handful of years, also. Yeah. But he, like for what Frost was able to produce, you're sitting there saying, you know, it, it kind of like you got to remember something. They signed because everybody's sitting there going, how is Tippett making one and a half million dollars? Tippett didn't have that kind of season before signing the contract. Right. If That's... you know when you're signing the contract, I just scored 25 in the NHL, then you're changing your mind about one and a half million. Absolutely. They didn't know and they didn't know enough. He barely had enough games played. So I understand how for a games played standpoint, you have to give him a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt. And to an extent, Frost is going to come into this thing, you know, thinking at least. And, and I hope he thinks this way, to be honest, because. We're going to sit here and, and analyzing it the way that we know to analyze it is, well, a lot of this came later in the year. The game, the pressure's off. The games didn't matter as but much. But he should be looking at that going, his agent should come in going, here's what we did over the last 30 games. What have you done for me lately? That's three and a half million. Well, and, and this is where I'm going with what Frost's attitude should be. So Frost's mindset should be, I can do this again. And I can be better than that even. Like, Fair. Like, I can, you know, you see how close, like, I'm right there to be a 20-goal scorer, 50-point guy. Pay me like it, and I'll give it to you. And I'll yep. try to do even more than that. 
And that way, like that's how the next contract would get bigger. So I don't think you're off base with thinking about 60 points in two seasons, like getting from 46 to 60 in two seasons. If he's going to continue to grow, like if we're being honest, if he can't pull that off in the next two seasons, I don't know if he's got a future here. Well, and I, I think that's why the bridge deal probably makes the most sense. Um, if you're the player, you're, you're betting on yourself. And in two years, you mm-hmm. A, can negotiate a longer contract where the team is buying UFA years. Right. B, B, you have a higher cap to deal with it. C, hopefully you have two years of growth or at least consistency where you now have a better comparable for yourself. And then on the team side of things, if it works it's probably going to cost you a little bit more money in the long run. Cause like I said, if he comes out and puts up 60, 65 points per year over the next two, you're probably paying him seven or $8 million at that point. I mean, potentially on a, long, sure. on a long-term deal. Yeah. Potentially. Um, I, I don't, I understand that. And, and the, the thing is, I don't want to make that sound like such a final statement. Like no, of course if not. he, if he doesn't reach a certain point number that he's not going to stay, you know what the thing is with that though, for the style of player that he is, He's either got to find another another aspect of his game that stands out to the level. Like like that point production right there, Scott Lawton just had a season like that too, right? Yep. And it's the first season he had like that, reaching 40 points. Now, he's been around for what feels like forever at this point, Oof. going on a, over a decade, right? Yep. Why does he get to stick around, though? Because he brings something else beyond the point production. Absolutely. It's the penalty killing. It's the checking. It's the, the ability to be – responsibility. It's, it's, it's his defensive responsibilities. It's his locker room presence. Like we don't know anything. Like we don't. I'm not trying to say Frost couldn't be a locker room presence. He did wear an A in juniors, so I'm not sure. saying it's not capable. It's just if you're not that in the room, and if you're not something, in, and that's why, like right now, like they've tried to work him on the penalty kill, and they've tried. Like, sure, you're going to give him a shot to prove that it's not just you know you got to be there on on offense. I mean, if he can turn into even like a good power play specialist, like you're carving out another reason to keep you beyond point just the point totals like so many of his points came at even strength this past year yep. so good okay great you're a good five on five player what else can you do and that's right. what i think they want to see in the next handful of years and that's why this contract is such a difficult talking point because i and- I, th- I think i think frost wants to believe he's got a long-term future here and i think he's prepared to sign it right now sure like i think he thinks that he can be here for the long haul with this but i don't a, we kind of know already just based on track record that Danny Briere is not doing this. You know, he's not uh, even, you know, I think even three is a stretch at this point. You know, like I agree. No, three, I, years I, is, three years has been a stretch for Danny Briere this offseason. It's really been like keeping it tight to the one, two year window. And let's just yep. play it out and see who who else stays and who else doesn't. Kind of. I, I think Danny Briere is doing a great job of doing what he has to do while maintaining control over players he needs to maintain control of while retaining long-term cap flexibility. And it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. And it's, it, Danny's, Danny's got a lot going on, and I think he's doing a better job mm-hmm. than we realize. And uh, I think this Morgan Frost deal will probably... Um, stick to that as well right I, I like see no reason to see otherwise well, it, and it, well it goes back to the last like the last show we did where we were asking how we how do you judge danny breer all things considered and, and that's why we even said it's right right now it's smack in the middle because the big plays are, the, are are in the future and you're also giving yourself time to see like you're giving yourself time for everything you're giving yourself this year to see what 
the free agents you picked up could potentially fetch in trades later on. You're giving yourself the two-year window to see what happens with Noah Cates and I, you know, with Noah Cates with Cam York and presumably with with Morgan Frost, assuming the deal is on the shorter term and another bridge deal like we've seen. You're giving yourself a chance to observe it all, see who sticks. You got rid of the one, you know, let's let's be real. You got rid of everybody who you knew wasn't an immediate part of the plans. Now you're playing even longer term than that. You got to see, you know, you're not giving up on a 24 year old, 25 year old, whatever at this stage of the game, you got to let it play out. So, and I also don't like, this is the other thing about it. I don't think again, like it's not a big deal that the contract's not done, even though we're at the tail end of July here. Like, no, no, absolutely not. I don't, I'm pretty sure that last year, if I'm not mistaken, there were stories that I can like, that I think I was publishing about, about RFAs who didn't have arbitration eligible cases that we're finally signing in late, like mid to late oh, yeah, August. Right, right before camp. Like it, it just is what it is. You yeah. Just gotta, it's just you know, part of the game. I, I think it, it was the speed at which everybody else got done. That's right. what really sped this up. It was like, oh, look, York is D- done. Tanner Briere wanted to take the summer off. Well, and <laughs> you, you know what? You kind of still can in a way can, when you're working with one Absolutely. agent and one guy, like you got one thing to talk about. You're going to keep crunching numbers and figuring it out and it'll, it'll get done. So let's yep. calm down on that front. Absolutely. And, uh, you mentioned a couple things there. You mentioned uh, players that the Flyers got rid of who, mm-hmm. who don't fit the system. And yep. you mentioned power play specialists. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, are there any players in the league who you might think of that fit both of those categories? Sure. There's a guy who we were talking about a lot on last show and who signed a contract in between the last two weeks. This podcast's favorite player, uh, Tony you D'Angelo. Your, your favorite, maybe. Yeah. Tony <laughs> D'Angelo. Uh, has brought his talents to Raleigh again. Uh, again, one year, a shade under or a shade over one and a half million. It's yep. another. It's another rehab deal. <sighs> Quite frankly, I, with Brett Burns on the team, it's a pretty. It's a pretty depth kind of deal for them. Yeah. Uh, I don't even really think there's a whole lot to say. He's a guy who is probably going to run their PP2 at this point, and that's about it. Which is fair. I mean, like, here's the thing. Here's the thing with this one. And I, I want to bring bring this up because of the fact, well, first of all, it's the least surprising thing that could have happened. I mean, it was pretty obvious Carolina was a fit. I mean, we all we only said stuff about that for two, three weeks on end where it was, there's a trade in place with Carolina. There's a trade in place with Carolina. And... And and listen by by playing this the way that it came out. Well, Don Waddell said, "Wait, I can get him for free." Oh well, never mind. <laughs> well, and not only that, but I can get him without having the re- like the other team retains two and a half, and we just right. like that whole contract. Like so, he slow played it into not having to pay anything, like like to pay less. I should say, like now you're paying him almost a million dollars less than you were going to have to just by making the trade right. and giving up one of your mid mid to low prospects you know at that lower tier prospects but but that's beside the point if if nothing else i think the big thing that kind of came out of this and this is not really earth shattering news breaking news or anything like that when he had his media availability for going back to carolina he did bring up that it was like that basically didn't agree with the coach that's probably the main reason why things happen wow you know i know i know it's not earth i mean we we talked about it last show i don't need to go back into it like like, like, and I, that's why I tried to say from the very, like, not the beginning, but it's like I, I even said, what, what do, you, what more can you say when the guy's pretty much the biggest thing he said on exit day was, it was ridiculous. I didn't play the last five games of the season, and he was a healthy scratch. Yeah, the writing, writing was on the wall. You know, Tortorella had his thoughts and his opinions and all of that, and, and 
listen, if the type look, you you and I both will could talk for days about what we think of Rod Brendamore as a coach. Absolutely. And if that's the type of coach that you resonate with as a player, then go play for that team. That team. Sure. You know, that's that's look. If it works and it, it then it works. But you know, there's it. It is what it is. You know. I'll be honest with you, Kevin. Yeah. I I don't really expect to mention this player. Anytime. Oh, I don't think I like don't expect to either. I mean, like he, listen, he is now former Flyer, yes. Flyers alum, whatever you want to call it. I bye. Yeah, don't don't let the door hit you. For what it, for what it's worth, by the way, he did say in that in that presser that Danny Briere has been a like obviously been a you know good person and you know good with the front good for the front office also, and he did you know. Not that it's not that he needs to mention anything about any other team and media availability other than the team that you're going to play for next year. Right. But he did say he thinks Briere can get him turned around, which interesting. And as a as a guy who admittedly grew up a Flyers fan, sure. And I you know, like, you know that's coming from a genuine, probably coming from a genuine place. Well, it's also a guy who who got drafted not two years after he was bought out of his contract. Briere was oh, brought right. out. I mean, so like. You grew up watching fresh, fresh off Danny B, right? Right, like you grew up with with them, and now like it, 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 you know, it's that is the tough part of the business. No matter what player you are, that there are times where somebody's going to sit there and tell you, even the play, even you know, you know, think about anybody who's playing for Colorado who may have grown up watching Colorado and says, "I get to, you know, the team is run basically run by Joe Sackick, and Joe Sackick may have to call you and tell you we're buying out your contract, you know, we're we're trading you, we're trading you. This stuff happens, like." We're <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, who was who was the guy I just saw? There was a clip from another podcast that I saw. It was that was um oh it was Tyler Toffoli who said that he got the phone call about getting traded from L.A. at a team dinner. Yeah, and it's and he knew it was possible. Like somebody told him to go have a good time tonight and enjoy it and stuff. And yeah. he said I saw I, he goes, I saw Rob Blake's name pop up my phone. And I went well I'm well, out. Dinner's over. See you, boys. Yeah. Well, I'm out. So yep. <laughs> so um, um, so is. Listen, I'll be honest. I don't really have a fun transition here, but uh, we have that Flyers odds and ends tab up. Is yeah, that, there's a couple is, little pieces. Okay, I was going to say, because I do want to talk about the other signing Carolina made this or this offseason, and it's technically a re-signing, but uh, yes, we'll, we'll we get into that here. Yeah, we do have a couple Flyers sure. odds and ends. No, the, take, a take couple little things. So, no, because Alexi Gendron signed his entry-level contract. Now, I don't, I don't know if people know, like listeners know who this is necessarily, because you don't tend to necessarily pay close attention to the seventh round picks that, that a team makes. But this is one that you might want to pay attention to because we, when you go from being like, and, and, and this is like, this is again, one of these draft plus one stories a little bit. When you get drafted seventh round by a team, you're kind of almost a, you know, an afterthought in the draft. Yep. And then you go out in your draft plus one year as an afterthought. And you score 55 goals and 81 points Is that good? in your next season. Split, split between two teams, which, makes it, which, believe me, makes a difference when you're playing in Canadian juniors. Oh, yeah. Because it means you – chances are you went from being the best player on a really bad team to having to try to figure it out on a really good team. Yeah, but he scored 47 points in 34 games with Gatineau after he got yes, traded. That's so true. So he still produced. He scored 33 goals in 34 games for Gatineau. Yeah. Yep. And so – just saying, keep an eye on this kid because, and I don't think, look, I don't think it means anything immediately. Like he's going to probably right. go back to juniors this year. And, and like then, you said, it's draft plus 
That'll be draft plus two for him. Right. But I'm saying the the year, this past year where he scored 33 goals in 34 games for the Gatineau Olympics after he got traded there. Right. Just draft plus one. Like, it's not like this is a 21-year-old running around beating up 15-year-olds. Oh, exactly. So, like, it's It makes a difference. Yes, it does. And, And, you know... He's the type of guy that kind of in the same vein as an Elliot Desnoyers or an Ula Lixel who may make some noise right now, like at juniors. And then you're going to want to watch him in the minors. Like this is going to be a guy who you're definitely going to slow play to get anywhere close to the NHL. But there's something. He's going to put butts in seats in the Phantoms for the Phantoms. Well, you got you got something, you know, and I think you need to have something like you need there. You need for something. A lot of these prospects, you need to just have something that gets you. All right, I see something that I can work with. Right. So we we talk all the time about development and drafting and scouting and this, that, the other, and all that matters. Obviously, you know, you need to have as much information as possible to make decisions. But every once in a while, you need a little bit of you know a little bit of pixie dust, a little bit of magic, and often that comes in the form of a fifth, sixth, or seventh rounder hitting on some level and. Obviously, it is far too early. The kid just signed his contract, has not played a professional game yet. Right. But if you're going to, okay, if you're going to be one of the elite franchises in the NHL eventually, mm-hmm. this is going to have to happen to you once or twice, right? How often do we talk about Henrik Zetterberg being a 1700th round draft pick? Oh, there's the list could go on and on. Henrik Zetterberg's one. Zetterberg's just one case. Jamie Ben's an example. Um, Andre Palat's an example. Like, yep. and they're all. And think about it. You know, Zet, it's been a little bit since Zetterberg was playing, obviously. So it's a little bit more of a passing. But but Jamie Ben made a Cup final recently. Yep. Andre Palat made one Stanley Cups recently. <laughs> you know, like, sure did. Like you get, you got to find these guys too. Absolutely, a thousand percent. I totally hear you there. Yep. You know? And and again, way, way, way too early to say this is that kid. You know, we, we've we hyped oh, yeah. up every prospect that's ever come through the flyer system on this show. I understand who we are. I know. I know. Well, I think I think that that's slowly but surely being shed, too, because like. Sure. Well, and the other thing is, as you're going through a rebuild, as you're tearing it down. Mm-hmm. You need to find something to root for. You need to find sure. something to keep you sane, somebody to kind of latch on to and hey, that's my guy. I'm gonna be a you know, I'm gonna be a fan of well, right Alexis Gendron through the rebuild. Well, and that's that's why right and right now more than that, it's just you need to be a fan of the potential of anybody. Like sure. It let's uh, this way. You you want you wanna have enough team like you wanna have two full rosters full practically of Hey, you know what? I'm watching guys on the Phantoms. I'm watching guys in juniors. I'm watching guys on the U.S. national team or in the college ranks. I'm, you know, there's guys. In, you know, let's put this way: everybody's gonna be paying attention to the KHL now, aren't they? <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, you got guys over there. You want to have like 40 players that you're sitting there, at least sitting here, saying it's worth seeing what happens if somebody emerges among the four. Like, you want to find like, and this is how small the success rate really is. You want to find five to ten of those guys currently that you know can move the needle and get you excited. Sure. And, and and I know that that's only like 25%, but that's, you know, like at maximum. But that's really what you want. You want to be like, because because out of the 25%, if you can hit really well on two or three. You feel good about and it, it. Well, then it transforms your roster. It's yeah, That's absolutely. how you build cornerstones of your roster, and then everything else fills in. It doesn't have to be. 
elite status. You just need two or three of those elite guys, or or better if you can. I mean, I mean, look, yeah. hope, that, that's certainly the hope in the KHL, is it not? You know, again, I know we're kind of going back to that, but you know, listen, Matt Mishkov is like we said, that's the that's your big swing, and that's the guy who carries that that level of weight of how much he can shift a franchise. If you can tag along a bunch of other people with him that are just in the very good to great tier, you hope that, see, that's the other part of it. You hope that those guys by themselves are good to very great and can find a spot. And then he comes in and turns them into very good to great because of the fact that you go, he's that much better than everybody anyway. That's what makes him great is the other part of it is that you get the guy who elevates everybody. Yeah. And, Honestly, just going on Mitchkov here, it does put you in a bit of an unusual position. So when the Pittsburgh Penguins drafted Mario Lemieux, they were still garbage for several years. Mm-hmm. When they drafted Sidney Crosby, they were garbage for several years. When Not the, as long, but yes. When the Oilers drafted McDavid, they were garbage for a couple of years. The Flyers, however, are in a different position. Because what's the difference between all those guys and Matt Vemichkov? The difference between the main difference is all three were able to play effective immediately. Correct. And now, instead, you have, you don't have your superstar, your generational guy, whatever he ends up being, whatever Matt Vemichkov mm-hmm. turns into. You don't have him on the roster right now. You know he's coming. Mm-hmm. So if you can set yourself up, kind of, like we talked about these one and two year contracts, you're moving pieces on a chessboard, you're getting yourself arranged. You can get yourself in a position where if you can maximize the production you get out of Matt Vemichkov's three year ELC, mm-hmm. where he's making less than a million dollars on your salary cap, three or four million with bonuses, but whatever. Yeah, I hear you. You can put yourself in a really, 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 really Really good position. Now, now imagine something else with that. Okay, now imagine because you there was spike a couple, again. Well, no. Well, you spike I, the draft again. Like you're going to be bad for the next two years. Like you could get a top three pick in both years. Frankly, don't. Ju- let's not even jump to this year and the possibilities that exist because there's already. I mean, if you're going to the top three already, then there's already names that are popping out on that list. Yep. But we're not even going to get into that. No, I I'm was. Already, going, I'm already looking at Michael Misa in 25. <laughs> can we st- can we stick with can we stick with Macklin Celebrini and Cole Iserman first? Okay, you know for this year, and then we'll talk I, I, later. I think Michael Misa is a 25. But <laughs> um, but either way, no. What I was going to get at was is I was taking it the other direction, which is because there were a couple comments that came out today actually from Cutter Gautier about why he didn't play at develop go to development camp and he had he said he had played a lot and things like the intention by the way is still he's going to play his sophomore season at boston college and then intends to sign at the end of the year and which which by the way he hopes is after the flyer season is over because his intention is boston college is going to be in the frozen four which is not far-fetched by any stretch because if you look at their roster coming in it's gonna be a really fun team have you um, ever watched a single minute of college hockey? They're going to be there. Well, yeah, but they've had a couple, like, BC had a couple lean years in the last That's little fair. while, and it was, like, big on, 
this freshman class that's coming in, which again, we've already talked about to no end with, I mean, it's, ev- it's everybody, isn't it? It's like, like half of the first round is going to be playing there between, between Will Smith and it's Ryan crazy. and Ryan Leonard and Gabe Perot. And it's like, geez, you know that. And, and Gautier is coming back. Like after, after we've already talked about the way he played at world, remember world championships, not world juniors, world championships. championships. And so he still intends to sign. But it's going to be after this year, or whatever. So now take that timeline. So you're burning the potentially, you could be burning the first full year of Mishkov without burning a year of, or burning the first full year of Mishkov's waiting period, I mean, without right. burning the first year of Gautier, which means yep. there's a possibility that it exists that the first year of Mishkov's entry level deal will be the, the last, last yep. of Gautier's, and you're paying them both under a million dollars. Yeah. Three years from now, under two million dollars, less than two million dollars for two players that are probably in your top six. All those one and two year contracts we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. that wasn't that wasn't an accident. No, it, it wasn't. If, it's setting you yes. Because Danny Briere and well, and Danny Briere is going to have twenty four more months to evaluate who is going to be on his team when it's time to be good. And, and by if, and by the way, if you're not there, you won't be there. Well, and by the way, I'm look. Stick to the anticipation that it's three years, right? But what if it's not? It's not. There's no. And, shot. and that's all I'm saying. What if yeah. it's not? I know. And and if it's not, and you're really lumping him together with Gautier for more than one year of if ELC you can get time, two years out of that. Oof. But then you're also sitting here in the same period, going, "It's all evaluation, and it's all going to change possibly rapidly at that given moment." Absolutely. What I can't wait. What I can't wait to see when it comes to Mishkov in that sense is, I just want to see what kind of numbers he has at KH at the KHL level. Like once he starts playing there for like, not that he didn't already, but like playing there for real, for real, and right. and playing, knowing that now like, it's not your draft year. It's not one of these things. Like you now know what your future kind of holds. You're playing you're, out. You're you're playing this contract. You're showing up to the NHL in a couple of years. You better get ready, bud. But I think there's yep. also like, the excitement level that he brings. For the franchise, I hope that that sticks in his mind, and I think it like I think it does to an like I I don't think he was, you know I don't think it was unknown to him throughout the course of the weekend that like hey by the way everybody's really excited that you're a flyer absolutely like I don't think it was so in that sense I hope that some that some of that sticks with him that you're thinking about the possibility like of being the best player and and that's look. That's a Russian mindset anyway. This work hard, this work ethic of going to, you know, like they it's get up and work hard every day and things like that. Like this is what we, you know, like think about what we used to say about Ivan Provorov, how he never missed a game because that's not the way they do things. You know what I mean? Like it's right. just not the way they think. Like like Ovechkin's like that too. Ovechkin doesn't really take time off, does He's he? A you monster. know, no. because that's the way that they that's the that's the mindset. So Hopefully that carries over as well. Speaking of all of that, I do have one more piece for the odds and ends because this okay. is another thing that came out kind of today. Because there's, I, we haven't really talked much about this because it's really a lot of unknowns and things like that. But this really kind of actually at least gives it an easier way to resolve the situation, so to speak. Like there's one, there's going to be a resolution. It's going to be one way or the other, and that's where things sit at the moment. That they're, we're waiting for this. Ivan Fedotov, yep. because there's been a lot of talk about whether or not he's going to be able to play at the NHL level that, you know, and it was mentioned before that, you know, when all these other, when they were making qualifying offers to all of the RFAs or most of them, I should say, cause they did, they did not qualify a few 
they told his contract, which basically meant rolling it over for another year. He didn't get to play out the year that he had signed for. So now they carry, they're trying to carry it over for the 23-24 season. Yeah. Okay, fine. Sounds like that's on the table. And you start hearing things about he's going to be free from the military service. He's put in his, he put in his year. Now that that's you know now that that was over, he should be able to go wherever he wants to. And then here comes a contract in Russia again, and, and yep. he's signing it. And this and and Moscow and there, and telling there's him, debate because there's an NHL contract, and right. there's a KHL and Mos- contract, and Moscow's telling you that's not the case. You know, like that, that. Nope, it's our our contract was everything. We've done everything by the book. We went through all the right processes, all that type of stuff. And the Flyers are going to stand by, and the NHL are going to stand by. He's got a valid contract in the NHL right now. Yep. Right, and, so, and for people that don't know, the NHL and the KHL have an agreement of understanding where basically they recognize – Well, have, right. An agreement of understanding where if a team has a player signed to a contract in one league that the other league won't right. try to force contractual obligations to get that player while they're still under contract in the other league. Correct, and and the interesting part of this is, is ironically, another Flyers goaltender is going through a relative like it, it's a similar situation, but done in the way where you we, you know that the leagues have communication by this right. because because Alexei Kolosov, who's the Belarusian goalie who does play in the KHL, yep, is on loan. He signed his entry level deal. He's got an NHL contract, and they loaned him back for the first year. They yep. loaned him back, and, to the that, and that happens all the time. It, that with, is not unusual. Correct, and. That's where he's going to play. And he shows up. He's at camp, you know, in the KHL. It's a done deal. You know, yep. he's playing there. And presumably, when the loan is up after this season, he will come back and he will play. He'll be, at, you know, at, at that point, he's at development camps. He's part of, the, you know, probably part of the Phantoms. You start the normal trajectory of AHL to NHL. Being, being an NHL player. Right. North American development, let's call well, it. Oh, right. That's fair. Yeah. So the question with Fedotov is, where is he playing? Because we don't really have an answer for this. The The good news out of this is, and Darren Dreger tweeted this stuff out just a little while ago, like earlier earlier on Sunday evening, and said that basically, so the NHL and the Flyers submitted that his, that Fedotov's contract should be told based on missing last season due to military service in Russia. It is now in the hands of the IIHF. Who, who who will consider the submission and then basically be able to make a ruling on who has the who has the player for the upcoming season? There right. was a statement that was issued by uh, Fedotov's representation that said that they had spoken with him today on this matter, and his position is he'll abide by the ruling. So, sure. whatever contract is valid and binding, he's going to uh, he's going to honor and. He'll, he just wants to resume playing as soon as possible. Now, the question with this is a big question because if, if it's ruled in favor of the KHL contract, there is no question here. He just goes and plays for the KHL, and right. that's the end of that. If, if the Flyers contract is valid... Mm-hmm. We, we find out if Russia is going to cooperate or not. No, it's not that. It's not that at all. It's actually... Here's, here's the catch. Where is he playing then? Because technically, the Flyers could say, "Okay, we're moving your contract. You like you're not moving it, but like you're going to start with the Phantoms. The guy hasn't played really professional hockey in like a year, right? And he's coming from years of playing in Russia. You know, look, we know all about this when it comes to international hockey, right? Rink dimensions are different. When you're a goalie, 
that matters. That changes things. Yeah. It's one thing to sit there and say, hey, the ice surface is smaller, you know, when you're a forward. And it's, okay, that just means, you know, I mean, let's just say, if the ice surface is smaller and you're able to skate fast and you are fast in the KHL, you're going to be faster in the NHL because it's sure. a lot less distance to cover. Well, but when and, you're a goalie, you're trying to play different angles. Right. It's well, challenging. And, and every foreign goalie that's ever come into the NHL has dealt with that. So obviously it's not something that the kid can't handle. But throwing him into the deep end with a little bit of a geopolitical situation playing out behind him, it, it's a stressful process. And mm-hmm. I, you know, we'll see how he kind of kind of transitions well, with that. The other part of it also is, is that – and imagine if, like, you don't know <laughs> – like, there's so much to resolve even with it because what if, like, like I'm, I'm thinking about it from, from like, Major League Baseball standpoint where when you draft somebody in the Rule 5 draft, you either have to keep the guy on your roster for the year or you send him back to the team that he was supposed to play that you for. drafted him from. So, like, right? it, I, like, I almost think about it like that where it's, like, if he's not a flyer, like. Do you just like, loan him back to the KHL? It's not do you, it's not do you just loan him. It's, like, do you have to if you want to honor the contract? Right. You know what I mean? Like. Because it's it's pointless to sit there and say, well, the way you're going to honor the contract is to loan him back to somewhere else. That's not even like right. it's not the same thing as an entry level anymore. Kind of like it is, but it's not. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because it was designed that way, but it really isn't. Especially at his age, he's 26, going on 27. Like, turns it's not out the Russia same thing. Did, turns out Russia just likes making things complicated. But but the thing for like this is what I'm getting at. If he has to play at the NHL level, if that's like the the way that he honors the contract. What do you do when you've also got currently Carter Hart, Cal Peterson, Sam Harrison, and Felix Sandstrom? Somebody's got to go. Yep. Probably two. Well, yeah, probably not. But Well, no, the, one of the easy things to do is Cal Peterson probably makes his way to the minors. And maybe Sam Harrison does too, for that matter, to be honest, because probably Harrison can then get number one minutes in the minors and until you need him or whatever the story may be. And again, we like maybe Cal I Peterson's going to play the whole lot of a yeah. second. The second half of a whole lot of AHL was, back-to-backs. Again, we're it's odds and ends time, right? Yep. Maybe, I guess, throw in the fact that we also don't have any more knowledge on Carter Hart, Hockey Canada, all that stuff right now. So that's still no. just up in the air at the moment. Yeah. Like, it that's the stuff. Like, kind of in a way, that's what doesn't, you know, that's what still leaves questions for your offseason. I mean, we're, we're sitting here. We spent all that time on Morgan Frost and, and, and all this anticipation of just get the contract done because everything else is done. It's like. It's not really done, you know, like you've got other questions that, you know, and, and look, it, that's not what's important in those situations, obviously, right. of but, but they're, they, they do exist. It's not like the only question left in your offseason is, hey, you know, I wonder what contract Morgan Frost is going to get. No, you've got a goaltender who's in Russia who doesn't know what team he's playing for because the IHF has to make a decision and you've got a, a you know, a, a complete, you know, forget hockey wide nationwide international scandal that you have yeah. to get a resolution to that everybody is waiting on. When we talk about Danny Briere being done, I think I think we're talking about he's done with the things he can control, right? Like Hockey well, Canada comes out and that could dramatically well, but, change your franchise because you have to you, you have to terminate you, the contract right. of a goalie. But, but until, until you know you that, know. you don't know that. Well, exactly. And here's the thing, if you don't know it like we don't know it, we don't know it. Well, then yeah. Is Danny Breer's mindset like first of all, half the league doesn't want to trade for anybody from from that whole thing anyway until they yep. know. And then if you're Danny Breer, you're sitting there going, maybe he fits the timeline still in my in his mind. Sure, so he's twenty four. Right. So you're sitting here going, maybe I just want him to be my goaltender. Like right. that's you know, I, look. Obviously, you'll take the steps if he, if he's not going to be your goaltender because of something else. But maybe there's no story beyond that. Like 
it's right. either you're part of this thing and your contract's getting terminated or you're not. Yeah, I, so much and rides on that. Yeah, so I know. much rides oh, on I that, know. that and, it just... And, and I only bring it up because of the fact that there was rumblings that this it was possibly as early as this past weekend that something could come out. It's going to have to be soon because, look, you already waited until, like, let's get through all the other festivities. Yeah, you got to get this. Do anything with this. You got to get this you out know. before teams start showing up to camp. You have to. Well, I, yeah. it's already overdue to begin with. But I know. I know. But. It, 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 it's besi- so that's that's a beside the point kind of thing. Like, honestly, there is no time that is too soon at this point. It just it just do it and. And do right by the they whole situation, not from the, a hockey perspective. Rip the Band-Aid off and yep. just get everything out there so that there's so that there's some, some form of justice. Like, Absolute that's what it's really all about. Justice, like, closure, answers. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, so, but, but, that's, but that's all I'm saying. Like, you've got, you've got two situations right now that are very different, honestly. Oh, yeah. You know, and... And to be honest, like you, it's not even worth talking in hypotheticals with it because there's elements of both where you sit there and you say the hypotheticals from a hockey standpoint don't matter. Yep. No, we absolutely. Just, not. We said that about well, we said that about Fedotov last year. Like when when he's being detained and you're trying to figure out what you know where he even is in the world, it's like, do you care about whether or not he's playing hockey or do you care that he lives? That he right that he literally survives because he's being sent. Right, he like right. they're showing you stuff where he's his medical condition isn't even good. Like, right, it, it stops being a hockey story at that point. It's a human story, and the Absolutely. same is true for the other side of this, where it's a human story. It's not. A, it's not a hockey story. It's a human story, and justice needs to be served to the right people once the time comes. But until the time comes, it remains a very gigantic human story. It's a big fat stain on the sure. league that they they just can't do anything about. Until we yep. get this news, but all right. on to some other stuff. Right? As you say, speaking of some news from around the league, we do have some happier stories here. Um, let's let's start from the back end of this list and work our way to the front because I think that makes the most sense here. So I think because the last one's going to take us the most time to talk about because we could probably go on about him for a while. Absolutely. So Seb- um, I'm going to start with Sebastian Ajo, mm-hmm. and Sebastian Ajo has inked his extension with the Carolina Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. It is an eight-year extension at what nine and a half? Uh, I thought it was maybe nine seven five. I'll okay, okay, that. I'm sorry. Um, but either way, Sebastian Ajo, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes have signed probably their second or second or third best forward, depending on how you rate Andrei Svechnikov. He might be their best, frankly. Uh, their best, one of their best forwards to a long-term deal. At a number that is probably about right value now, and is probably going to look spectacular as the cap continues to rise. Um, it's a really nice piece of business out of Don Waddell. It's a really nice piece of business out of Sebastian Ajo. Kevin, you got to see Sebastian Ajo for eight more years. Uh, well, nine more because he signed a year early. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, we're going to be seeing a whole lot of Sebastian Ajo over the next decade. Uh, what do you got for me? That it's a no-brainer for Carolina to do this because this yep. is your best player, and when you've got a player like this, you absolutely go ahead and do this. Yep. I mean, to be honest, it's it's remarkable in, enough that it's not that huge of a raise when you consider it. I mean, he's already making eight point. You know, the cap hit he's making for next year is eight point four six. It's not that big of a raise when you think about it. I mean, no. you're only going from that to nine point seven five over the bulk years where the cap is supposed to go up. So it's. 
it, it, it has it, potential it, to be an incredible value. Certainly does, and like that. This is one of those. This is one of those things where you go. You know, the no movement clause throughout makes tons of sense. Like this is your cornerstone. Yeah, this, this is, is the Flyers. This is the Flyers signing Claude Giroux to an eight-year contract in 2013. Like this is just it's you're locking up the corner one of the cornerstones of your franchise for most of the next decade. Yes, it's, and it's, it's easy math. What What's more interesting about the deal to me than the actual aspect of it for Carolina and, and Aho making making money that he pretty you know he deserves easily I mean, absolutely he's, he's, probably he's that more. level of he's that level of, well definitely more by the time the cap goes up if you're talking uh, this and this screams by the way took a discount to help the team win yeah it probably does absolutely um this is I'm gonna be a leader and take less so that everyone else has to take less the big but so anyway the bigger story to me out of this is what it represents for next year's free agent class because just it was it, it might have been even within a day or two of I was looking at I was kind of just just browsing around online like whatever hot there's not, there wasn't much cruising hockey the threads like the kids do <laughs> not necessarily that I mean I, I think it actually came across it was an ESPN.com story. That was kind of highlighting what the 2024 draft class could look like. Yeah. And uh, I don't know free, one free the, agent class. A free agent class. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. We've been heavy on draft talk over there. Yeah. yeah. Um, free agency class. And Aho was one of the key players on the list, obviously, because that's a, super Hello. Basketball, right. a superstar, all-star player who's going to potentially be available. Right. Yeah. And like I said, maybe within a day or two, the contract was signed. The extension was signed. So it's like. I, I'm not sh- obviously not shocking that Carolina sees it. It's just sure. that to me was taking somebody that you know is going to be a part of that team for years to come. Somebody who's going to be a fixture of that team for you know, for as long as as he can, and and because of it. Like that's what's gonna start, or maybe it's what, not what's going to, but it should be anyway. Like you're like like you see these teams who do latch on to those players who, you know, yeah, we can try to get excited about what the potential of a free agent class is gonna look like, but there's a lot of guys around the league that are just gonna who, ul- who ultimately do this because they, well, no, I, it's not even just because well, they they just end up resigning. Like they don't resign for no reason. They usually end up resigning if they're either going to be able to get the money from from that team in terms of like yes there is a sizable pay increase that is able to come from that team number one and number two is usually when that team like carolina has been i mean has sebastian aho over the last maybe over the early years of playing but like not not by much like when he got hit with when when he had that offer sheet matched yep and that's what really kind of set the bar in motion for what level player he was because somebody somebody went there with the offer sheet. You know what? I will mention that it is interesting now to see him sign a long-term deal after after that whole offer sheet situation because there could be some bad blood in the front office. And it, it's it's nice to see that there's not. Yeah, there, well, there yeah. doesn't seem like it, no. So, yeah. But that's like it is really interesting that he goes from it was entry-level deal to matched offer sheet to big-time yep. big extension. Long-term extension, yep. You know, and... Like he's a like it's he's an interesting player too because it doesn't fe- like there's an element of it where it doesn't feel like he's been in the league for this long. You know what he's I mean? He's been around though. Like you're talking about a guy whose entry level deal started in sixteen seventeen. Yep. Like it doesn't feel like that, but you know we're, cre- he's, we're creeping up on seven or eight years of Sebastian Aho. Yeah, I yep. mean 
He's been imp- and he's an impressive player, and I, you know, now we just wait and see what that does for anybody else. I don't know that it's going to do anything else for any of those other big free agents that are going to be available next year, but you never know. I mean, this is kind of this is kind of the time. Like once we get into the late July, early August period, like now that you're done, you start to you, you, like you actually almost can crunch the numbers again and now go, okay, what's it going to look like next year? Because you're trying to do extensions, not well, the other way around. You know what and, I mean? Like, yep. And one of the guys who will be available next year, unless he chooses to extend, uh, is going to be Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, he signed yeah. a he signed a one year deal to go to the Ottawa Senators. He's going to make five million dollars. Uh, I imagine he's going to play on power play one with Claude Giroux and Brady Kachuk, and that'll be fun. Maybe not even Claude Giroux at this point, honestly. Yeah, who um, knows? Um, it's depending on what roster shows up and how they look. But regardless, I think Giroux and Tarasenko sounds like a spectacular duo. Yeah. If you can get them on the ice at the same time. Sure. Holy. It's, it's, it's really impressive that in the wake of the Debrinket trade and the way that that finished up, that they essentially replaced him with Vladimir Tarasenko. Yep. It's very impressive. Absolutely. And to be Pierre, honest Pierre, with you, I, Pierre Dorian's done a great job with that. Well, and to be honest with you, years. I was starting to prepare for this, like for this week's show. I was starting to make preparations thinking we were going to come in and when we got to the league-wide stuff, be talking about the fact that guys like Tarasenko had not signed yet. And it's the end of July. And it's like, this is pretty ma- massive here. And it was three, you know, he signed, well, and he, he signed three days ago, you know? So it is what it is, you know, like it is what it is for taking, like for the time frame that it takes, but you know, it doesn't make a difference. You still get a player who, you know, we know what he delivers, right? Like we know what kind of player he is. And to some extent it feels a little bit like Taylor Hall signing a one year prove it deal in Buffalo. Um, that being said, I do think that this Ottawa team is going to be much better than that Buffalo team was. Um, I do think Tarasenko is going to be a little bit more uh, impactful in terms of the standings and potential playoff races than Taylor Hall was. Sure. Uh, but it, either way, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it's another guy who is waiting for the cap to go up. And we saw a lot of one-year deals signed this offseason, and this is just kind of another version of that. Well, and let's not like one of the other pieces that was not really being overlooked here. And again, it's a guy who's on the last year of his contract, so it kind of can go either way here. But when they traded to Brinkett, they got Dominic Kubalik back in the deal, too. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you're you're substituting to for Kubalik and Tarasenko. Not bad. No. And when you're a team that's trying to fill out your depth like the Ottawa Senators are, you don't necessarily mind, you know, breaking one Alex to bring kid down into two roster players. And just imagine what happens when they get everybody else kind of like going like Josh Norris couldn't play last year for a big chunk of it. And right. And and, you know, they another year really old, solid team oh no, and another year older of all these other younger guys that you're trying to see, you know, even even a guy like, you know, I know we've talked like we can talk about the top of that group for days, right? Like sure. the Stutzlas and that type of stuff and Shabbat on the back end. But when, you know, Jake Sanderson gets another year older and gets a little yep. bit closer to being what he could be. And like even a Ridley Gregg is another one of those guys who's going to be like, you know, the time helps getting closer in that regard. And oh, by the way, they get a full year of Jacob Chikrin too, by the way. Like, uh-huh. Yeah, no, don't, don't, 
don't sleep on Ottawa, and that actually leads me really nicely. Is there might be a playoff spot available? Well, in that and you division? know what? It's fun. It's funny too because that's why when we were talking about free agency moves in the last show, it's why I loved the Corpus Allo signing for them so much too. Because now it feels like they got a goalie to go with it. Like absolutely, they kind of were getting pieces at every other position, and they just keep doing it. Like Corpus Allo now gets joined by Tarasenko and Kubalik, and you're just like Ottawa might just mess around and make the playoffs this year. <laughs> They yeah, really might. They really They're, might. It's looking like they got a shot at I that. liked them last year, and I know it was kind of not that kind of year for them. I think that they actually, like, it's funny. When they were trading to Brinkett, I wasn't convinced anymore. I was like, something doesn't feel right. Something's Brinkett, derailing here. Like, yeah, like, well, it, or at least it, it's it's not the way that you want to see it be. Like, he, he he's, he's dem- basically demanding the trade, right? Like, right. so so because of it, you're sitting here going, okay, like, that that takes away from what they had because Debrinket was a big reason of why I thought they had a shot at the playoffs last year. Absolutely. And then you and then you fill it back in with that, and I think you're, and now I think your goaltending's better, and you're getting you know you get a full year of Jacob Chikrin this time, and you have two guys who are really young, who I think can continue to grow into the role. Like, yeah, I think it's it's only going to continue to get better. Absolutely. And uh, what, like I was alluding to a second ago, uh, there may be some vulnerability in that division. Uh, they may have a chance to climb up that division uh, because that the top of the Atlantic division took a major blow this week. Uh, yeah. Patrice Bergeron uh, made it clear that he would be retiring, that he mm-hmm. would not be returning for his 750th season. Um, <laughs> not quite, but yeah, I get you. Certainly point. feels that way. Um, this is a guy who's represented Canada at the Olympics. Uh, he has won the Stanley Cup. He has been around for an ever and ever. He has won a thousand Selkies. Should have won every Lady Bing. Um, <laughs> ask anybody in the sport and they'll tell you that Patrice Bergeron is one of the best human beings to ever lace up a pair of hockey skates. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, we have uh, nothing but respect here for him at the show and we wish him the best of luck in his retirement. I'm sure he doesn't yeah. need it cuz he is going to be just fine. Yeah, he will. He'll he'll be a French language announcer for whatever team he wants immediately. Nope, I don't buy that for a second. No? No. Do you think he's, he's going coaching? No, I think he's going to get I think he's going to be an exec. I think he's going to I, I think he's going to start. Him, I, I think he's going to start at scouting, and he's going to work his way up. And be I like, can see him doing some media, not a I ton. Mean, I mean, it's not forever. It's possible. It's but I can possible. see him going to Keith Jones route. Well, maybe, maybe going media directly well, into the front office. For starters, because I did listen to a little bit of his press conference. Obviously, for starters, it sounds like he's doing nothing for the beginning, which is good a great for decision. him. Good for him. Good as for right. you, Patrice. Go spend time with the family and leave it at that for a little Go while. Go spend time dressed in freaking Elmo costumes. <laughs> you saw that yes. one, right? Oh, yes, of course I did. Oh, some iconic Patrice Bergeron clips have uh, emerged re- from resurfaced, resurfaced over the last week yes. or so. And it's um, been a fun time because, like I said, the dude is just such a good guy. He's about as wholesome as it gets. Well, we'll 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 hear from him again relatively soon when you know as soon as he's eligible for the hockey hall of fame because he's Cause going he's in. going in first effective ballot. immediately. As far as I'm concerned, I'm surprised that like unless I missed something, I'm surprised they haven't announced the jersey retirement already. I, well, so that's what I was gonna ask. Like, so the Boston, will get it. The Boston Bruins are one of those organizations. You know, they're, they're the original six. They have to be really stingy with their number retirements. Sure. I assume he's getting it. Don't get me wrong. I also assume that Chara is getting it at some point. They're probably going up together. Um, I don't know. Because Chara's been... They overlap so much. 
though they do. Char has been out long enough, I think, is where but, I'm going. But why isn't it up, though? Eh, yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. So maybe, my, maybe what but, I'm thinking of is that it's not that he's out of the league long enough. He's been out. He's been off of the Bruins for longer than it feels like, kind of. My, you know what I mean? My question to you, do any other players from that Bruins team of the last 15 years or so, mm-hmm. do any other players earn that distinction? So of getting their of getting their number retired? Yes, because here's how I look at it. Okay, uh, it's a little too early to tell on Pasternak, obviously, because I, quite frankly, I expect him to go somewhere else at some point. I don't expect him to be a lifelong Bruin. Well, he just um, signed though. He signed a big deal, so he's got a big ticket. Yeah, but we'll see. Um, All right, you also have to win there to be in consideration, and he hasn't won there yet. True. Uh, I think uh, your big names coming out of that team, like we're talking Krejci. Lucic, um, I don't think any of those guys kind of raised to that level. I think the only guy who's got a chance, and it's because he's still active, is Marchand. That's fair. I mean, I'm trying to kind of like, because what I'm trying to figure out is I think I don't think they do it. Yeah, I think that, I think what they do is it's just. Like the Bruins don't have like a, a Hall of Fame; they just have like its affiliation with the Hall of Fame. So, right. so like, yes, there's a bunch of players that you could be mentioning that could. I'm not saying Lucic is a Hall of Famer; it's not the point. It's, but it's it's if somebody's associated with like, it's not like they have a Bruins Hall of Fame where they start to pick right, off you guys because all those guys would be in there for sure. Sure, like it would feel like that. Um, but number retirement, especially for an original six franchise, is sacred sure. ground. Uh, yeah, sure. I don't. I don't think there's any question that 33 and 37 are in the next wave. I got to imagine Marshan 63 will probably make it. I agree. It, it, it's he's got the longevity yeah. and he did win. And and a lot of their other guys are still too young, right? It's still too early to tell on McAvoy. It's too early to tell on Pasternak sure. for sure. Um, I I think Tukaresk would have had a chance if he didn't have to fight with Tim Thomas every other year for the first mm. half of the decade. That's an interesting one. Yeah, that's well, an interesting one. I mean, because Tim Thomas won. Yeah, I hear you. And Tim and Thomas then took a rest blew it from, in twenty fifteen. Yeah, and and Tim Thomas has been retired for plenty long enough that you oh, can I make know. decisions on that too. So oh, I he's he's not going up. I don't think. No, I don't think it's because because I don't think it lasted long enough. Oh, right, like, I was going to say it. it like takes, yes, those years were great. Don't get me it, wrong, but it's it got to last sustained excellence, especially right. in those original six franchises. Like if if Tim Thomas was a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets, he'd get his number retired. Well, he all right. He, here's something for you to consider, also, just to consider, okay? Because. Krejci's an interesting one for this. Yep. Because Krejci's like right in the running. Like he's in the points total running. He's passed. Like he's ahead of guys who do have their number retired. You know I what I mean? Think I think he is. Cre- I think Krejci's a Hall of Famer. I don't think he's Jersey retirement. If he, if Krejci's going into the Hockey Hall of Fame, then he's probably, then he probably deserves to get his Jersey retired because that's the only team he ever played for, basically. <laughs> Yeah, but I I hold Jersey retirement to a higher. Threshold, I know you do. I get it, especially with the original six franchises. Yeah, I know, but like, like okay, and here's here's where I was trying this because this is where I was going to try to go with Pasternak for a second. And I guess it's too early to tell in the immediate because I'm not seeing. I mean, I guess I can look up what his points are and try to deduct from there because I'm not looking at just the Bruins list. Like it cuts off at a certain point, is what I mean. Right. The one I'm the one I'm looking at, but but Pasternak's got 301 goals. 
regular season, by the way, obviously, but 301 goals. If he as a Bruin, strictly as a Bruin, gets into Esposito and Busick territory, you got to push him his there. 500. You got to yeah. put him up. No, I, yeah. I agree. Absolutely. Like if he's if he's challenging for records like Bergeron's the third highest scorer at point score in franchise history behind Bork yeah. and Busick. He's going to like, think his numbers going and he's got more points than Esposito. Like, and he now, faithfully wore the A for a decade. Like, come on, it's he's going in. He's right, going that's, up. Uh, that's that's done. another really good point is the games played totals because if you're that player from a game from a games played standpoint, then absolutely. Okay, Tuka Rask. This is an interesting case with Tuka Rask. Like, and this is this like look, Tim Thomas played some you know nearly 400 games with this team. Yeah, it's a lot. Tuka Rasta played over 500. He's the he's got the most games played of any goalie in franchise history, and is the and is the leading win. You know, has the most wins. Right. Kind of hard to leave him off of a list of like we're going to retire if they if, then like if and then no other goalie is deserving ever of having their number retired. The, I I think the thing with Tuka, and I would put him in first of all. I or I I'd put him up. Sure. But. I don't know if it has softened since he retired. I assume it kind of has. Boston had a really hard time getting over 2015. Him letting up two goals in the final 30 seconds of a Stanley Oh, do you mean Cup 13 game. then? Yeah, 2013. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Boston had a really hard time getting over that. Yeah. Like, like to the end, to the point where we're bowing him in the bubble because he left to go be with his daughter. Like, mm. bad stuff. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, Mm -hmm. but the fact that Tim Thomas was your goalie for the 2011 Cup Mm -hmm. and Tuka Rask was 0-2 in Stanley Cup Finals for the Boston Bruins, with my elevated standard of what it takes to get your number retired, I, I think, okay, if they do it, I won't be upset, but I think he falls just shy. The thing that's interesting to me is they don't have a goalie whose numbers retired at all. Okay. And I'm is just wondering, guy? well, it, it, he's got over 300 career wins. That, that to me is making me think it's a strong possibility. That's fair. That's, that's the only reason I think the numbers back it up. I, under, I like, there's plenty of goalies who, by the way, forget just losing a couple Stanley Cup finals. There's goalies who don't even get there. Well, of course, you know what I mean? Well. Like, you know, Roberto Luongo didn't win anything in Florida, and yet they put his number up there anyway. That's true. You know what I mean? Like they put know. they put him up in Florida for his Twitter account. Let's be honest. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. <laughs> but but anyway, let's let's get off of Tukarask and back to Bergeron for yeah, a back on Bergeron. In terms of being, well, because because it was a little. There's an element of it that was a little surprising. I'm not going to lie. Like it's it seemed like they were tuning up to get the band back together one more time after the first round exit. Because it's well, it's because it makes me think about what we talked about when that when that when that series ended, which was that it can't it, end like, like this. It can't end like this, but there's also an element of it that makes a ton of sense because there's a reason why the emotion was as heavy as it was after that game. From we Bergeron. all kind of thought he, that might have been the case, right? Right. Well, that, but that's we were all at least suspicious of it. But I respect. I do respect the reason for his decision because I, I, th- I think he tried to gear up to come back. I agree. And then sat there and looked the way off-season workouts are going, and sits there and goes, "Listen, 
I'm this, too old for this. It, right. Like, I just don't. The body telling me don't Danny, do it. Danny Glover, lethal weapon. I'm too yeah, old for I know, this right? stuff. <laughs> um, and I respect that, that he's going to sit there and say, like, the only thing, like, I, I, and, and you know what? It was constantly speculated for years and years and years. Like, every time they would be out for a season, it was, is he going to come back? What are we, you know, what are we doing? Getting the band back together? What's the deal, you know? Yeah. They, they attempted, and if he's being told, you know, if his body's telling him and, and, and in his heart he feels like this is it, then g- good for you for to, for going out on your terms and not letting something else get in the way of that. Absolutely. And, it is. and that's what's most respectful about it is, like, he just – like, he's done everything else he can possibly accomplish. I know we've talked about that, but it's like – and then, like – as a as an incredibly classy player already, he goes out in the classiest fashion also because it's right. just Patrice Bergeron for you. Like he is an absolute legend of the sport. And quite frankly, just because of how the media works in Quebec, uh, if he goes into Quebec media, I don't expect to hear from him for about 10 years just because that's how that <laughs> works. Uh, but I could also see him emerging in 10 years and taking a job in a front office and just doing the Keith Jones thing. Potentially, um, I I wouldn't be shocked. And 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 speaking of honors, by the way, because we like we know he's going to go into the Hall of Fame. We know he's going to get his number retired in Boston. We know all of these things are going to happen. Yeah. Does the league do something that they never do, and change the name of a trophy for him? I think they probably Man. should. I think they probably should. I don't know if they will, and if they do, it won't be for a couple of years. Um, they'll do it when they put him in the Hall of Fame if they're going to do it. That wouldn't be a the. The worst way to approach time. it. That wouldn't yeah. be the worst way to approach it, though. You know, because because then then you have him there, the trophies there for the rest of the year. Exactly. It's a good. But, it's a good. That's not a bad idea. But that's yeah, like that's the other big discussion piece because we know all the individual accolades are going to come, but when they put your name on a trophy, like yep. and, 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 and it's it, it's even more like as far as I'm concerned, that might be even more immortal than. Oh, absolutely. Then the plaque on the wall. Like, when's, when's the last time anybody thought about Frank J. Selke as a hockey player? Yeah, I hear you. Okay, then. Um, and, and like, the only, you, uh, like, we talk about Art Ross and Maurice Richard a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, okay. So I think Richard's a recognizable enough yeah. player that we can still go there. I mean. All right. That's going to do it for us today. I, we kind of ran out of stuff to talk about here. We don't have any more Flyers gear. We're, we're in the middle of a summer show. So yep. uh, we'll be back in two weeks. In the meantime, follow us on social media. We're at YWT everywhere. Um, Kevin's at Kevin underscore Darso everywhere. Find us everywhere you find your podcasts, including sportstalkphilly.com. Check us out over there as well. Um, hit the buttons, the likes, the subscribes, the whatever, whatever it is. Whatever you got to push to get everything. Algorithm, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Kevin, anything else you got? Nope. Okay. See ya.